there's that continual feeling of mine to want to just inspire, to challenge. I think theater is a wonderful medium to teach and to educate people about different topics, about different issues. I think there's so many ways that we can touch upon all of these topics and make a difference. Welcome to St. Louis in Tune, where we size up current and historic events involving people, places, and things in areas such as the arts, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, history, housing, humor, justice, and sports. Our weekly podcast gives you the edge to live a more informed life. We discuss more than just St. Louis as we connect the gateway city to our country's current cultural fabric and lives. guest is producing artistic director Sharon Hunter, who has worked as a professional actor, singer, director, and producer for many years. Originally from St. Louis, she has performed in plays and musicals, both regionally and in New York City. Spent 10 years working off-Broadway, acting and directing in many shows. She's an adjunct professor at Maryville University, a founder and executive director of the St. Louis Theater Task Force, and creator and host of the podcast Moonstone Connections, and here she's here to talk to us about the Moonstone Theater Company. Sharon, welcome to St. Louis In Tune. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This is wonderful. Now, I, I gave a little background of you. Fill in the blanks there for our listeners so they understand exactly who they're listening to. Okay, I'll do the best I can here. Yeah, originally from St. Louis, I did. I started out in broadcasting, actually. I was on uh, Y98 and KZK. Years ago, I was the first host of Pillow Talk, the nighttime request and dedication show, and then just went on to do a lot of producing in radio, and, and, and I was a news director and that. And then, But my first love and my original, what I did a lot in high school and college was theater. And once I made the switch back into theater, I was lucky enough to get work and, and become a member of Actors' Equity and SAG-AFTRA and that, and started doing a lot of theater here in St. Louis, and then made the transition to New York, working there, and then made another transition, wanted to come back to St. Louis, and I had seen what was going on here in town with a lot of just exciting new theater companies, uh, a stronger role for women up and coming in theater companies, and it had always been really a dream of mine to start my own. And of course, the pandemic was a little bit of a hiccup, or more than a little, and things got a little pivoted. In the meantime, I was still working on the company, obviously, but then I was, I also thought, well, in the meantime, I'll start a podcast and start the, the St. Louis Theater Task Force so that we can all talk about how to move forward while we're in the middle of a pandemic with live theater. You've got me going a whole lot of different directions and questions now. <laughs> Pillow Talk really takes me back. Yep. I remember that. Thanks. Good. I'm, so that dates me. It dates me too. And I had a blast doing that because you really have a, a good time picking out music. And you're basically, as I've always described it to people, it's like being a bartender on air because <laughs> I would get phone calls and people would call me and they would say, I kid you not. This woman wrote me one time and said, I am, I'm leaving my husband. I'm having an affair with a guy down the street. I'm writing him a letter. Can you play me a song? What? And I'm sure, I'll get right on that. And I, so yeah, I had to quickly go to the music library and I was like, okay. So I think I chose, if I remember correctly, Bonnie Raitt's I Can't Make You Love Me. Because I was like, okay, yeah. Cause, and then she says to me, would you reading you the letter? And I was oh like, my. yeah. 
So yeah, I have some stories, but That'd it was be a great it was book. Fun. It, yeah. In fact, I had also thought about turning that into a cabaret show. That would be because, perfect. Yeah, because then I can tell my stories and I can sing some of the songs that people requested. So that's still on the that's still on my wonderful. That would be, oh. because you've done that cabaret before. I have I was that's that's another thing I've done is I did a, a lot of cabaret work when I was in New York and I, I was lucky enough and blessed enough to work at the, the old Metropolitan Room. Remember that when that was going on and Don't Tell Mamas and the the Triad, all these wonderful clubs there. What about theater grabbed your attention in high school that? kept the flame burning even when you were in broadcast journalism and working in radio and doing all those things and all of a sudden it just came right back to the surface what about it i came from a very uh, musical family my father was it played instruments sang and was a dancer my mother was a professional tap dancer when she was a teenager so they started me in dance when i was about three so i think it's partly part genetic but i loved i always loved performance and i always loved being on stage and i always felt like it was the most it was the safest place for me i felt more comfortable as a performer i think than i even did like just in in interpersonal communication of being like in a room full of people and chatting and i think some people might understand what that means one's a little uncomfortable but if i'm on stage and you have a spotlight on me no problem so i i I love that and then i got i I did dance for years and then i did uh, musicals and and plays and i was a pom-pom girl and all that and so even when i was doing my radio stuff i was still doing plays part-time and i would always have my hand in it And then it just got to the point where after so many years of radio, I thought, I really want to do this professionally. And I think it's just you still go back to your first love. And honestly, radio, which is great in this, you're a performer as well. You may not be on stage, but every time you turn that mic on, you're on. Yeah. So it's still a hand in to what we love to do, which is to express ourselves in some way. Now, I can imagine some listeners thinking another theater company and when I think about that because I, I, I try to give questions that people might be thinking and sure. when I think about that it's like many times seasons different seasons of theater companies they don't overlap they fill in the gaps and different theater companies have different themes or missions and things that they want to do why Moonstone Theater Company explain my goal was to bring another professional theater company, which means that I'm because I'm a member of Actors Equity, I really wanted to offer another company that would offer jobs to equity members, because that's just important to me. I know there are a lot of amazing local actors that I really respect their talent. And I felt really good about the opportunity that I had to be able not only to give to give the equity members jobs, but just all the wonderful, talented people that we have in St. Louis across the board, not just on stage, but behind the stage, the designers, tech people that I worked with years ago before I went to New York who are still in town and I really respect. And I also have a real strong commitment to education. 
I, I wanted to tie that in with with the theater company. And I just I, there's that continual feeling of mine to want to just inspire, to challenge. I think theater is a wonderful medium to to teach and to educate people about different topics, about different issues. And we're in that climate now with as much as we've been through in the last couple of years across the board with not just the pandemic, but we're very aware of, of the BIPOC movement and how important that is, especially in theater. Mm-hmm. And I think there's so many ways that we can touch upon all of these topics and make a difference so that not to be, you know, preachy, but to illuminate it and make it diverse for everybody to also uh, inclusive for everybody. It really helps people think about things that are going on. Exactly. And see, the season that I that I, I, I have, I, I tailored the shows around mental health and how it affects the family. Go into those um, a little bit, if you wouldn't mind. What uh, the shows sure. are. I'm starting off with Jake's Women by Neil Simon. It's it's a really wonderful, warm and poignant comedy that isn't done as often as I'd like uh, to see. But it is about a novelist who is having a lot of problems with life and the challenges of losing his wife and how things are going and the grief and how he's reacting to his relationships with women in general and his therapist. And it's funny, but it's also poignant. And it's really talks a lot about the relationships between a man and a woman and how that mental health struggle of the grief that you're going through, how that affects and permeates the other relationships in your life with your daughter, with your wife, your second wife, and so on. Then I'm doing a proof. And and then that show, I should say, Jake's Women opens at October 14th. And then proof is an amazing show. It's a drama. It's by David Auburn. It's about a a woman who is a a mathematician. And on her birthday, she realizes that she she cared for her very brilliant father, but he was unstable. And even though he was uh, famous as a mathematician too, he had a lot of issues and she's concerned about how that is affecting her, how that is going to affect her in her life with her relationships. And if she's going to inherit that, then the final show is The House of Blue Leaves by John Ware. Beautiful show, comedy, drama, but also dealing with uh, a man who is his wife has schizophrenia and how that affects, again, their relationship, their relationship with their son. And but it's all tied around in a in an interestingly comic way of the pope that visits New York City in the 60s. And there's nuns involved who happen to show up at the apartment and a lot of things, a lot of hilarity ensues. But it also does show you the struggle of a woman and mental health and how it's affecting the relationship. I really uh, applaud you for tackling these specific kinds of issues in these plays because mental health is really not discussed as much and that in what you've described and the issues that many people go through on a regular basis that they're they're trying to cope with these things and I think when it's played out either on the big screen or on the stage or in a musical, I think it brings things a little bit closer to home that many people struggle and many people, I think, push it down and deny what's going on even in their own lives. Do you find that? 
Oh, I do. I do. There's still a really sad stigma around mental health and how it's not talked about openly. It's not discussed. Families, I think there's that sense that they're not sure how to address it with their friends or their families about what's happening. And I think there is still that sense of they're, they don't know how to approach it and they feel bad about it. And I, I want that not to be the case because it, 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 as much as we deal with other illnesses and we are much more open about it and much more, I think, sympathetic to it, there's still a sense that with mental health that it's something to be feared or it's something to be hidden. And it shouldn't be. Because it, as much as you need a, a, to, to address medical issues, you also need to dr- address mental health issues. It affects many families in some way. People that I talk to all the time, there's a son that's, it, that's dealing with it. There's, a, there's an aunt, a cousin, a mother, a father. I've had friends. I've had family members. It's not something to be feared. It's something to be addressed. And it's something to be talked about. And and. It's just we as a society, hopefully, if we can start sending these messages through theater, maybe it would make more people talk about it when they leave the theater. That would be really helpful because (laughs) there's this stigma attached to that discussing that physical health, we seem to have a little handle on mental health. We shy away from or we don't know what to do with it. And talking about it is really a big thing, especially within families, because there's a lot of denial that goes on. There is shame, I think, goes on, especially if mental health gets to a point where it's very uh, serious and threatening a life, et cetera, like that. So I really applaud you for doing this. The casts that will be doing this, have have all the the casts been chosen? Because I know your productions, they're going to be spaced out, and I want to make sure people understand that the timing of your uh, theater company is spread out quite a bit here. So we've got October 14th. For the first show, the second show is going to be in February, the middle of February and March. And then the last show that you mentioned was is next May. So I just wanted to put that out there for people. But also, right. folks, August 14th, tickets go on sale. Season and individual yeah. tickets go on sale. Yeah, and season tickets as well. Right. So that's a good thing. And yeah, and they can get those tickets. They can call 314-821-9956. Or they can visit the website. It's moonstonetheatercompany.com slash tickets. So I, I would encourage everyone to um, to do that. And and yeah, the, the shows are spaced out. It's all going to be done also, which I'm very excited about, the new beautiful Kirkwood Performing Arts Center that yes. they have built on Monroe right off of the Kirkwood Road is stunning. And we are going to be in the studio theater in the black box there. We're so excited about that because it's just a gorgeous gorgeous facility and so that's exciting to be in a new space to be doing all three shows there there's wonderful parking there's it's just it's really they've done a lovely job and i can't commend the city of kirkwood enough on how beautiful this new place is and so exciting for theater in general there's so many theaters that are going to be doing things there now now i've not been there what is that venue like inside how intimate the actual facility when you come in is all glass windows it's two stories There's a main stage where already theaters such as Stages and Winter Opera, they're performing in there. Then if you go a little over to the to the right in the building on the right side, there's this beautiful studio theater. It's a black box and it's just stunning. And that's where we'll be. 
in there. And it's just, they have an upstairs lounge. It's just really state-of-the-art. It almost looks like a little Lincoln Center is what we're calling it. That's cool. That's cool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Sharon, why don't you give us that ticket information again? What is that phone number? It's 314-821-9956. Or they can go online at moonstonetheatercompany.com slash tickets. That's great. We look forward to those productions. Sharon Hunter, thank you very much for coming on St. Louis in Tune and letting us know about Moonstone. Thank you so much. I really love talking to you. This was great. Thank you again. Have a great one. You too. We appreciate you listening to this episode of St. Louis in Tune. Take time to look at the show notes on the website for everything that was mentioned on this episode. St. Louis in Tune is produced in cooperation with KWRH 92.9 FM and Motif Media Group. For St. Louis in Tune, I'm Arnold Stricker.